Welcome to Life Point Plus, a program dealing with marriages and family. We are so glad you're listening. Here's your host, pastor and teacher, Gary Moore. Welcome to Life Point Plus. I'm your host, Gary Moore. We are continuing to explore the question, how well do I know the unique person who lives inside my body? Last week, we continued to look at emotions, desires, and choices as a part of our puzzle and mosaic. We were looking at the feelings and desires of Jesus when he was only hours from the cross when we ran out of time. What were the feelings of Jesus? He was sorrowful and troubled, overwhelmed with sorrow. What were his desires? If it be possible, may this cup be taken from me. But how does he interpret the situation? Yet not as I will, but as you will. His subsequent behavior was based not on his feelings or on his momentary desire for relief from the cup of pain, but on his interpretation that life is not to be controlled by feelings and desires, but by the will of God. This is an important lesson for us to learn especially in a society that has exalted emotions and desires and made us think that if we do not follow our feelings and desires, we will never be happy. The fact is that our feelings and desires must always be integrated with the intellect and will. Dr. Chapman says that it's the worst form of immaturity to allow one's feelings and desires to control life. Our mind judges the wisdom of acting upon certain emotions, and our will carries out our decision. For example, I may fear telling the truth to my spouse about having forgotten to pick up the laundry at the dry cleaners. My mind decides that I should not act on this fear. My will carries out the decision to tell the truth. If we are going to exalt any two of the five factors of self-awareness— It should be the interpretation of our sensory experience and our behavior. According to Dr. Chapman, these are of the utmost importance. Does this mean that desires and feelings are therefore unimportant? No way. They are a vital part of our personhood and cannot be ignored or denied. It is only as we are in touch with our emotions and our desires that we can analyze them and make wise decisions about our behavior. The way we think, however, greatly influences the way we feel. I have the choice in any situation to think the best of my spouse or to think the worst. If I think the worst, then almost inevitably I will have feelings of anger and resentment. If I think the best, at least my feelings will be neutral for the moment maybe even positive. If I choose to think the best, I may be disappointed when more information reveals that I was wrong, but at least I will be in a better frame of mind to process the negative reality. As Christians, we have the added insight of Scripture and the aid of the Holy Spirit to interpret life and to guide our thoughts and behavior. When we have greater self-awareness, we are more fully prepared to share our lives with our spouses. You may be asking, what is the big deal about self-awareness? I know I experience life through the five senses. I know I attach meaning to what I experience. I know that I have emotions and desires, 
and I know that I make choices. So why spend so much time on getting in touch with myself? You know, the big deal is not self-awareness. The big deal is marital intimacy. Covenant marriage, as described in the Bible, is not just two people living in the same house. Rather, it is two people whose hearts and lives are bonded together in deep intimacy. Such intimacy requires revealing to each other our inner self. Self-awareness is a prerequisite to such sharing. How can I tell you who I am if I don't know who I am? Self-awareness and self-disclosure are the processes whereby a couple builds marital intimacy. In the act of self-revelation, I often gain a clearer perspective on how I really feel or what my true desires are. A wife says, I feel disappointed that you didn't introduce me to your friend. Well, it's not so much that you didn't introduce me. It's that I felt I was not important to you. If I had been important, I think you would have introduced me. This wife is gaining fuller self-awareness as she seeks to reveal her feelings to her husband. Our purpose in self-revelation is to be known by our spouse, to gain closeness and intimacy in our relationship, to be understood, and to allow our uniqueness to be known to each other. The most fundamental principle of self-revelation is learning to speak for yourself. This is often explained by communication experts as using I statements rather than you statements. If I start my sentence with I and then attempt to reveal not only what I have experienced but also my emotions, desires, and behavior, perhaps you will know me better. The following discourse contains examples of common I statements. I heard you say that you were planning to play golf on Saturday. I understand that to mean that you will not be able to go with me to my mother's birthday party. I feel disappointed by that. I had hoped that we could both be there. I am sharing this because I realize that I may have misunderstood what you said, or perhaps you have forgotten about my mother's birthday party. I would like to know your thoughts and feelings. I don't want this to be a barrier between us. On the other hand, you statements attempt to do what is ultimately impossible, and that is to speak for your spouse. It implies that you have read their mind and know their thoughts, feelings, and desires. The same discourse with you statements would sound something like this. You said you were going to play golf this Saturday. You know that is the day of my mother's birthday party. You don't ever think about me and my feelings. You only think about number one and what you want to do. Such you statements assume that you know your spouse's intentions, thoughts, and desires. Well, now not all you statements are condemning. A wife may say to a husband, You love me. You know you love me. You've always been so kind to me. You always want to do what would make me happy. You are so thoughtful and kind. But such you statements may be simply setting the husband up to be manipulated to do what the wife desires. When I make such statements as, You are angry. You don't really appreciate me. You should be working on the car instead of watching television. 
I dogmatically say things that are only my perceptions. Such communication usually produces resentment in the other person because I'm speaking beyond my knowledge and in some cases I am speaking as though I were God and know what the other person ought to be doing. I statements, on the other hand, honestly report our own experience, what we are sensing, thinking, feeling, desiring, and doing. I feel tired. I think you made a good point. And I wish we could go shopping tonight, reveal something of who you are at the moment. I statements are always better than you statements when trying to communicate with your spouse. Another pitfall in communication is to use they statements. Such statements tend to be general and speak for a larger body. For example, they say that in a good marriage, each person should have some spending money. Some people think it is wrong for mothers-in-law to live with couples. Most people would think that two hours would be long enough to buy a child a pair of shoes. They say that women are more emotional than men. In these statements, the speaker is clearly not taking responsibility for the content. It is not clear whether he or she agrees with the statement, although it is assumed that he or she probably does. It is far better to speak for yourself than to quote what they think. We reveal our experiences when we describe something we see, hear, touch, taste, or smell. We give our spouse the benefit of our sensory experience. We expose our spouse to the raw data from which we have drawn interpretations and share our sensory experiences related to their behavior. For example, Mary may share with Bill, I noticed Thursday night when we bought the shoes for Bobby that when you wrote the check, you were shaking your head back and forth. This made me believe that you felt the shoes cost too much. Was I reading you correctly? This statement gives Bill the opportunity to either reaffirm her conclusion or to clarify what he had in mind by his behavior, and it lets him know the sensory experience from which she reached her conclusion. Usually, when we share what we have heard, seen, smelled, tasted, or touched, we give our interpretation of our experience. For example, Art says to Jenna, When I walked out of the house this morning, I noticed that you looked at me and smiled. I take that to mean that you have forgiven me for getting home late last night. By giving Jenna the observation he made about her behavior, a smile, he gave her some idea of how he reached his conclusion that perhaps she had forgiven him. Then Jenna has the opportunity to affirm or deny her forgiveness. Your spouse is much more likely to understand your conclusion if he or she understands the sensory experience upon which you based it. They may or may not agree with your conclusion, but at least they know the logic behind it. Perhaps the best way to share your experiences is to focus on the five senses, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, and touching. Then share your conclusions or interpretations. Well, our time is gone for today. I invite you to join me on Monday mornings at 10 a.m. on my Mutual Understanding Method Facebook page for some live teaching on relationships. If you're not a Facebook user, or if the time is inconvenient, 
you can go to my website, mutualunderstanding.net, click on the Mum Live tab, and view the recorded teachings. Be safe and have a great weekend. God bless. Thank you for listening today. This program is brought to you by Cloverdale Church of God. If you would like to reach Pastor Gary, please email him at pastorgary at cloverdalechurch.org. To know more about the church, go to our website at www.cloverdalechurch.org. Thanks for listening and be blessed.